What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the Two Man Power Trip. Oh my God! This is Joey Styles, and you're listening to the Two Man Power Trip podcast. This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Cody Rhodes, the Prince of Pro Wrestling, and you are listening to Two Man Power Trip. This is Jimmy Vine, the Boogie Woogie Man. Tell my people, and my brothers and sisters, don't you dare miss John and Chad. Hey, everybody out there. This is the franchise Shane Douglas. Remember me? <laughs> well, guys, it's great to be on the show again i appreciate you asking me back so you said you're gonna pinch yourself i didn't know it was that kind of show now i mean if you guys are in the privacy of your own home if you want to do these things good how you doing chad hey johnny cool man what's going on we're ready to go or what uh, hey man what's up guys this is homicide oh that's my homie homicide with a big homie club yeah that would be it hey this is david penzer and this is the two-man power trip of wrestling well, thank you, thank you. Hear me, fear me. I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know ten times more than I do. Look, Mean Gene, I can't be beat. I'm the greatest of all time. And I would say that. And every kid, I, they knew they could kick shit out of me. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling. And now... They bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. You know, growing up in Greenwich isn't something that is easy for any of us. It's not like these poor scum towns that are all around us. They think they're going to kick our ass in football. Shane just seems to like to, once in a while, get a little rowdy and crack some heads. He'll kick ass just like any other tough guy. Or he'll, he'll kick ass just like any other bum or scumbag or Julio. Because he's Shane, and he can do that. Because just because he's got money doesn't mean he's a A lot of times the poor kids, they just have to do it for survival. As far as like beating someone's head in, we do it because we enjoy it. We have nothing else to do. Well, guess what? We got the better facilities, better gyms, better equipment. What do you want to do? Well, you got pipes like the kid, or Smack Daddy, or Pete Gas, or Willie Green. Can't handle it, baby. You know, there's a lot of tough guys in Greenwich. It just seems like Shane's the toughest. If you see Shane O'Mac and a Grizzly getting into a fight, you better help the Grizzly because that kid is not going to give up. He'll cut his throat, he'll do whatever it takes, rip his eyes out. Bite him, bite his arm, whatever. This is the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling, and you are listening to episode number 254 of the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling podcast, a podcast that you can hear two times a week on any medium that you get your podcast, whether it's iTunes or TuneIn Radio or Ear Peeler or my personal favorite, the Podomatic app, where you could also get our entire archive through the Potomatic app and Potomatic.com by searching the two-man power trip of wrestling. And a lot of big news to come between the two-man power trip and Potomatic in the coming weeks. But I want to welcome you to the WrestleMania weekend edition of the two-man power trip of wrestling as we welcome today two big guests. One, a definite staple of some WrestleManias in the later part of the 90s era. 
And that is a returning guest for us, and now an author uh, who is going to be joining the program, and that is former member of the Mean Street Posse, the one and only Pete Gass, who sits down with us for his return interview talking about a book that when he joined us back in the fall of 2015, he had just announced. And it was so cool to welcome Pete back, coming full circle with the the book being published the same week we recorded the interview and gearing up for WrestleMania. There's a lot of tie-ins to both our original episode and what is to come on WrestleMania weekend with Pete Gas and John, when you think about Pete Gas and what we talked about the last time, it was a very detailed interview. We covered a lot of ground, and I'm going to be sharing the link for that interview on Twitter as well as Facebook. If you want to go back and listen to it, it is definitely a huge companion to the book. I listened to it back this past weekend, and it really just goes into so much detail. And if you get a chance to get your hands on the book, then you'll definitely kind of see the compliment that the interview has to the writing of it. But also, with this being WrestleMania weekend, if you're down in Orlando and you can get on over to WrestleCon, make sure you go over and say hi to Pete Gass, because he's going to be sitting at a booth at WrestleCon with our good buddy Kevin Thorne, as well as Chase Stevens and the one and only, one of the greatest of all time, Billy Gunn. And they're going to be hanging out at WrestleCon all weekend, and Pete Gass is going to have the book, and he's ready to talk, and he's ready to answer questions about the book, and he wants as many people as possible to come out and say hi, pick up the book, and definitely share your memories with him of what he did in the business, as well as what you're looking forward to with reading the book. But if you can see from this episode, it's a huge WrestleMania edition, but we also dive deep into what else is going on WrestleMania weekend as we welcome in Ring of Honor's Women of Honor star Kelly Klein in an interview that John recorded with Kelly promoting ROH's Supercard of Honor iPay-Per-View, which you can go to ROHWrestling.com for more information on as she prepares to do battle and put her streak on the line against Diana Perrazzo in a highly anticipated match on a card that is sure to not disappoint at all if you know anything about Ring of Honor. When the Supercard of Honor comes around, it's usually one of the biggest shows of the WrestleMania weekend, probably second to just that of WrestleMania, and it never disappoints. So John's going to sit down with Kelly Klein following Pete Gass. But John, as I do welcome you in here, why don't you tell us a little bit about what we can expect from Pete Gass? Why don't you tell us some interesting parts of Pete Gass's journey and a few things that really surprised you about Pete's book because it's definitely one that I know you were just thumbing through it immediately after we got it to uh, start to prepare for this interview. Yes, Chad, hitting up with part two of Pete Gass, this time, of course, talking about his book, Looking at the Lights, My Path from a Fan to a Wrestling Heel. And this time, you know, we kind of just focus primarily on the book and obviously you know the last time we had him on it was one of our epics if you will one of those interviews that go over an hour and a half very long very detailed very fun interview we had that first time with him we really hit a lot of topics and we kind of didn't want to overlap too much and really hit those topics again so what happened this time is we really just tried to focus on the book and we kind of went in depth into you know creating the book why'd you make the book you know how did you come up with the book uh, how'd you get in touch with john robinson who co-wrote the book with him why is edge doing the forward why is jbl doing a forward so we get into all that good really really fun stuff with him and like always Pete gas is, is a total blast and he's a real fun guy to have a chat with and you know 
when you're talking to him and, and obviously you know you delving deep into this book it's funny because he works his way backwards he didn't train and then work his way into WWF. He was in WWF and then worked his way backwards into the training. So that part of the book is fascinating and it's different and it's unlike any other book you may read about a wrestler because usually it's the other way around. So that's a really fun thing that we go into in the interview. And you think about the you know speaking with the former Mean Street Posse member, it's a great find, you know, with a book that the guy isn't very negative or, or he's not ripping a lot of people because it's really hard to find with a wrestler that doesn't have an axe to grind or he's not trying to uh, be bitter or anything about the business or kind of bury somebody so it's very different that Pete Gass had this book and kind of you know flipped the script a little bit and it was more like positive stuff and fun stories and you do get a lot of backstage stuff and you, you know don't be you know fearful of that you will get that kind of stuff but more in a fun way wrestlers court for instance we got that story in part one of our interview but he delves even deeper into it in the book with JBL and Ron Simmons and Teddy Long and Wrestlers Court so you know if you want to listen to part one of the interview for that you know go for it we would love you to do that but also check out his book for that story as well because he kind of really highlighted that as one of the big parts of the book that he really enjoyed and one of the highlights of the book and it's it's a funny story for sure I mean it's hilarious but I like the fact that he's not telling, you know, oh, well, you know, this guy uh, cheated on his wife and this guy, whatever. I like this more of the positive stuff, more of the funny stuff. You know, nothing, you know, too derogatory about the WWF as well. So it's more of a positive spin and more of a positive way to look at his time in the WWF, how he became a star during the Attitude Era, and, you know, his tales from that time period. So it's a really fun read. I suggest you really, really go out there and check out this book looking at the lights my path from a fan to a wrestling heel i'll say you know one more time there for you great book i suggest you highly if you're a wrestling fan and you want a good read and a fun read and a quick read too because it's not one of those you know huge books it's it's really fun a really compact book with you know it, it's a good length but it's not too long i think you'll be able to pretty much sift through it in a couple readings and a couple sittings but you're going to laugh and you're really, really going to enjoy yourself. So check out his book and I really, really implore you to read it because you will, you know, you will have a blast reading PKS's new book. And definitely talk about the ties to WrestleMania if you can be in this a WrestleMania-sized edition of the two-man power trip of wrestling. Pete Gass obviously famously making his WrestleMania debut at WrestleMania 15, along with the Mean Street Posse at ringside to support Shane McMahon against X-Pac. And then, of course, in WrestleMania 16 as part of that gigantic hardcore battle royal or invitational, whatever the heck it was, where the hardcore title changed hands so many times, but the Mean Street Posse really being a part of two big WrestleManias there at the end of the 90s and into the 2000s. So the WrestleMania ties are there, but there's a couple other WrestleMania ties that I know we wanted to touch on before we got fully into this episode. Yeah, you know, one, one other thing I just wanted to touch on, you know, we love kind of talking about old school wrestling obviously it's kind of our bread and butter on this show but one thing that we do also like to talk about and when that time period comes we usually try to get a guest very associated with wrestlemania and kind of what's going on with wrestlemania so this was kind of a little bit of, of a perfect tie-in there obviously earlier in the week you heard hillbilly jim who is you know the epitome of the early day wrestlemania wwf guy obviously the injury took him out of wrestlemania one and that's a different story for a different day and check out that interview but 
when you're talking about WrestleMania this year and talking about PKS, it's kind of like, what's what's his possible role? He does have a possible role, and his awesome story about his possible role in this current WrestleMania is fun. And think about it. I love this part of the interview. Really, really, it was, a, it was a great question by you, Chad, and a lot of fun. He talks about this current WrestleMania and his possible role this year with his buddy Shane McMahon when he fights AJ Styles. He said that, uh, and when I love this line, it's hilarious, that he loved packing his sweater vest, or he's going to love packing his sweater vest. He's going to pack it this year. He's going to leave it in his bag just in case. Because you know what? You know what they say with these old-time wrestlers. You never know when you're going to be used. You never know when you're going to be booked. So always bring your gear with you. So this year, and I thought it was pretty funny, he's going to pack that sweater vest just in case he gets used on this year's show. And Shane McMahon, like he said, already sent him a ticket down there. So he will be in Florida. Shane bought him a ticket. He'll be there in Orlando for WrestleMania this year. He'll probably be at the Hall of Fame and be doing bunch of different festivities obviously we don't know for sure and he doesn't even know for sure because Shane doesn't reveal anything to him or tell him anything he keeps everything kayfabe on whether or not he will be a part of this year's Wrestlemania or not but I just thought that was a funny little tie-in and obviously it would be pretty cool if the Mean Street Posse interfered in that match at Wrestlemania to help Shane McMahon beat AJ Styles it is possible, you know, you never say never in this business, so it is possible we may see Pete Gass and maybe the rest of the Mean Street Posse this year at WrestleMania. I know last year me and you, Chad, both thought, we both said privately that, you know, we thought he would have been involved with The Undertaker, with the Shane McMahon, Undertaker, Hell in a Cell match, but you know what? He wasn't, and, you know, he didn't, he kind of thought he might have been as well, and we get into that in the interview, and he wasn't, but the thing is, you just always have the gear ready. You're always ready. You never know when they may want to book you. You never know when WWE may pull a rabbit out of his hat and say, Hey, you got your gear? Are you ready? It's time for you and the Mean Street Posse to appear at WrestleMania. So you never know in this business, especially with Shane McMahon being a big part of it and with, obviously, Pete Gash being a big part of Shane McMahon's career and, obviously, Pete Gash, Shane McMahon, and the Mean Street Posse go hand in hand. They definitely go hand in hand, and you can catch Pete Gass, our buddy Kevin Thorne, Chase Stevens, and the one and only Billy Gunn today at WrestleCon, tomorrow at WrestleCon, down there in Orlando, Florida, at WrestleMania. If you're listening to this interview today, please go over and say hi to Pete Gass. Tell him you heard him on the two-man power trip. Get yourself a copy of the book and read that bad boy while you're in Orlando or back on your flight home or wherever you're going to be when you have free time. Pick up that book, read it, and enjoy. And remember to stay tuned after today's episode with Pete Gass, and you're going to hear a special portion of an interview recorded by John with Ring of Honor's Women of Honor star Kelly Klein as she gets ready to do battle with Diana Perrazzo at Ring of Honor's Super Card of Honor iPay-Per-View on April 1st in Lakeland, Florida. You can go to ROHWrestling.com for more information on how to order the the iPay-Per-View as well as find out everything else going on on Ring of Honor's biggest card of the year, the Super Card of Honor, which you can again get on ROHWrestling.com. We want to thank Kelly Klein for joining John for this interview, and we'll definitely 
going to expect that you're going to enjoy this one because it's a little bit of a departure from the WrestleMania theme. But you know what? Ring of Honor has just as big of a WrestleMania weekend now as any promotion in professional wrestling. And I don't know if you know this, but you never know what you're going to expect at a Supercard of Honor show. So make sure you tune in to iPay-Per-View tomorrow night, April 1st. The iPay-Per-View, the Supercard of Honor featuring the Women of Honor as... Kelly Klein takes on Diana Perazzo and John. What a huge episode this is. Everybody enjoy WrestleMania weekend. Make sure you go find Pete Gass if you're down there at WrestleCon. Enjoy the interview, and as the music starts to creep in, hit him with a little bit of two-man power trip of wrestling business and get it on over to Pete Gass. And now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Two Man Power Trip and at Wrestling Pal. Please visit our website, tmptofwrestling.com. That is tmptofwrestling.com. Subscribe to us on YouTube. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes. While you're on iTunes, check out the feed for some legendary episodes featuring the living legend himself, Bruno San Martino, the late great American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. Ray Mysterio Jr., Jeffrey McDivitt, Brutus the Barber Beefcake, Mr. Wonderful Paul Ondorf, AJ Styles, and so many others. Also, while you're surfing the web, check out WrestlingInc.com. Yes, that is WrestlingInc.com. They are the number one wrestling news source out there, so please check them out. Also, while on the internet, go to ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, ProWrestlingTees.com is your superstore. If you are a super fan, and you can please check out our page while you're there, you can check out Tito Santana, Paul Orndorff, Coco Beware, Magnum TA, Buff Bagwell, and so, so many others. Follow along with the two-man power trip of wrestling in 2017 as we hit the road and we come to a town near you. April 22nd, we hit Philadelphia, Pennsylvania at the Icon Collectors Fest. Then, May 19th and May 20th, we hit the Mid-Atlantic Wrestling Expo in Richmond, Virginia. Then, follow us to New Jersey as we hit Legends of the Ring in Monroe. So please follow along with the two-man power trip of wrestling in 2017, because you never know where we may land. And now, without any further ado, a former two-time WWF Hardcore Champion, he is a member of the infamous Bean Street Posse, and now the author of Looking at the Lights, My Path from a Fan to a Wrestling Heel, he is none other than Pete Gass. Please enjoy.
on the line today is a guy making his return to the two-man power trip of wrestling, and he's doing so in a very big way as when he joined us the first time, he had just announced a book deal and now watching it come to fruition. Joining us on the line today is the one and only Pete Gass, the author of Looking at the Lights, My Path from a, from a Fan to a Wrestling Heel. And Pete Gass, welcome back to the two-man power trip of wrestling. Guys, thanks very much for having me. It's an honor, and uh, I hope all is well, well with you guys. Oh, everything is just uh, very, very, very good in our land. And I guess for you, you're on a whirlwind book tour. You've been doing a lot of press, a lot of questions getting asked of, uh, about your time. Obviously, in the WWE, we covered that at a great length. We did about 90 minutes with you the last time. So what we want to do is just talk about the book and obviously, you know, seeing it released this week. You know, how is it from your perspective? Do you think uh, has the response so far kind of lived up to what you were hoping for? Oh, yeah. I, I, the, the response has been phenomenal. I, uh, you know, the, the thing is, doing this stuff in, with, with you guys and, and, and other outlets is uh, it's spreading the word, and it's actually getting to the point where I'm getting a lot of um, messages through social media where they'll say, uh, hey, I had no interest in your book, but once I heard the interview and what it's about, I, halfway through the interview, I went online and ordered the book. Can't wait to read it. So. It's a good, it's a great feeling, and um, you know, it's it's a fun book. It's an easy read. It's got great stories about the Attitude Era and some of the biggest stars in wrestling, uh, or most of them, especially with WWE at that time. And uh, it's just something that I'm really proud of. Uh, everything from the title all the way to the back page. It's uh, it's something I've put my heart into, and and it's stories that I was told. Uh, Ever since I left, uh, I, since I left WWE, and everyone seemed to enjoy, so I figured it was time to put it on paper, and uh, hopefully everyone goes out and gets it. And you know, I, uh, the feedback I've been getting has been amazing. Everyone loves the book, and I, I have yet to find someone to say, "Eh, it's all right," or "or it sucked." Everyone, everyone loves the book, so that's that's a great thing for me. Yeah, that's so awesome, and it's such a uh, it's such a good time to release a book too. There's not that many wrestling books on the market anymore, so it's really going to turn a lot of heads once it uh, once people start getting it in their hands and they start to thumb through it. And it's an era, you know, that is so beloved now, and uh, it's kind of hard to believe it's uh, you know it's been 15, 16, 17 years since uh, the Attitude Era, but. It has been, and now when we can look back at it, books like yours are going to be the uh, the resource for people to really uh, find out some of the deeper stories. But you know, we covered it so much in the last interview, but one of the things that is intriguing me the most is your story of becoming a wrestler and going down and training in developmental and kind of being, you know, not outcasted in, in a different land, but being, you know, an outsider going into uh, a more southern-based area of the country, and I thought that was one of my favorite things you told us the last time. But what did you think about being able to put that onto the paper themselves and really tell that story? Because your journey through developmental, that's a big deal. You know, when you came in to go down there, that's a big deal to really learn. But kind of relived walking through uh, putting that onto uh, the pages of the book. Well, you know, I mean, for me, it was it was easy to put it on paper because it was such a, a culture shock and, and being able to go out and, and learn how to, you know, learning everything backwards, you know, from going, usually you learn the stuff, then you hope to make it on TV, 
we were on TV, then we had to learn to make, uh, learn how to do it afterwards. So, uh, it was, uh, you know, it was a definitely, uh, it's a unique story, but, uh, you know, as far as putting it on paper, it's all out there and it, I've gotten basically everything, everything's covered in, in the book. So, you know, you, you, you know what it's like for me, what I'm going through, what I'm thinking at the time. And, and, uh, it's just, like I said, it just, it gives you a perspective of what it's like to have to do that. What, what we had to do going through it and, uh, you know, I just, I think, like I said, I think everyone will be interested because it's, it's very different from everyone else. And your hard work and your determination uh, and what you did to uh, really excel down there is a huge part of that story of going to developmental. Like you said, doing it in the reverse order and talking to guys that, you know, worked with you down in developmental and saw how hard you were working. You know, they've told me personally you know, that you were really, uh, you just, the work was off the charts, and you really, you tried your damnedest to uh, to be the best that you possibly could, and, you know, even taking a look at the book cover and seeing you, you know, in action there. I mean, to go from, you know, you're, you're growing up, uh, obviously a friend of uh, Shane McMahon, and then getting in the ring, you know, still looking back, is that just so surreal that you went from being buddies with the guy who uh, essentially had the keys to the kingdom to then stepping through those ropes and becoming an active competitor? Oh, no doubt. Uh, you know, the thing about the the, uh, the the whole process and what happened was I always wanted to do this. And this was a lifelong dream. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, it's like, here, here's a shot with no experience. And the reason why I did work so hard is because I didn't want that, that, that ride to end. You know, that, that, that dream, I didn't want to say goodbye to it uh, right away. So, And the truth is, if we didn't do our job and, and get heat with the crowd and and get that reaction that every wrestler wants, Vince would have got rid of us two weeks later, you know, and the fact that it was something that made it into three years is pretty remarkable, and especially, you know, like, I think that's why I think every fan can relate to this, because what fan doesn't watch wrestling and, and at some point or another just say, geez, I wonder what it's like to be in the ring with The Rock or, or Stone Cold or, Someone, you know, whoever their favorite wrestler is, and, and, and especially during the Attitude Era when the crowd was alive and, you know, there, there were thousands of signs, you know, people holding up signs, and it was like a sea of them, and, you know, all that stuff going on. And here it is, you know, people wondering it, and I lived it, and I share it with everyone, and they, they get a better perspective of what it was like to, during the, the greatest time, in my opinion, the greatest era of wrestling. Yeah, truly, it's a timeless era looking back. It just, uh, like I said, hard to believe that it's been so many years since it passed because it really was the last big boom of professional wrestling. But, you know, you look at the book and you see the forwards written by JBL and also Edge. Uh, kind of talk about how that came about. And, uh, you know, JBL and you, you guys definitely had some wars uh, in the ring, definitely some, uh, some stiff shots by both uh, members of the APA. You told a great story about how, uh, you were originally paired with the APA uh, last time you were on, but how about getting JBL to write that forward and how much he's kind of meant to, uh, you know, your career in terms of uh, your history together? Well, you know, it's funny. When I, when we were writing the book, John Robinson and I, uh, <clears throat> I, you know, it was almost time to start looking for someone to do the forward. And I thought about it, and I was like, you know, what, what would it mean? Who do I want? Like, wh what person would symbolize to me more about this book. And in my opinion, it was JBL. 
And the reason being was because I didn't have his respect early on uh, when I first started. And it wasn't until, you know, they gave us those butt whippings that, um, you know, we would go backstage after, after an ass whipping and, and literally I would stick my hand out and smile and say, thank you. And, you know, he told me months later after that whole, uh, that whole run went that he, he, I earned his respect that night. And I always felt like that's what this book is about, you know, cause yes, it, it was important to stay there and it was important to make money and it was important to, you know, keep that dream alive but just as much as all those things even more so it was more about gaining gaining the respect in the ring and that's why you know he's a tough cookie to crack so if uh if if you can get earn respect you pretty much you did a good thing so i always felt like him doing it was very symbolic and it was an honor to have him do it and when i sent him the the I sent him about 50 pages of the book. He wanted to read some of it before he, uh, he wanted to make sure he wasn't, you know, doing a forward for someone that is bashing the business. And that's definitely not what was going on. So he actually sent me the, uh, his forward. Uh, and I, and along with that, he gave me, he wrote a little note, uh, in an email saying he was so glad to see that someone is doing a book about WWE that doesn't have an ax to grind and, someone that appreciated and respected the business and, you know, he, a bunch of really nice things. And he, he told me it was an honor to do it when, you know, I'm thinking it's an honor he did it for me. So just to have him do that, like I said, is, is pretty special for me personally, you know, and, uh, and the other one is edge and edge was just always there for me and always a close friend and, and a guy that, uh, you know, would watch my matches, watch what I did. And when I came back, backstage after a match he would say you know you know why you did this or you should try this or you know give me tips or advice or whatever you want to call it um and he was he was a big part of my you know maturing in the business and then you know you know not to mention after even to this day i know that i got his respect because he even invited me to be on the edge and christian show which by the way uh totally reeks of awesomeness um but yeah, you know, it's one of those things, you know, like uh, those two guys are very symbolic, plus they're big stars in the business, and it truly was an honor to have those guys a part of something that means so much to me. Yeah, that's very cool. And the JBL part, I mean, that is just, uh, that is an awesome story, only because of the fact you guys had such, you know, brutal matches, and whether those brutal matches were from one side of the uh of the spectrum, you took a hell of a beating. The three of you guys just, you know, with the APA, those matches can just be so stiff when you look back. And to hear what JBL has to say to you, that's, uh, that is very cool. But then on the other side with Edge, that's another guy, though, that, you know, came through the WWE system with you. So for him to be able to reach out and, you know, tell you, you know, some advice or tell you what you need to do on a match, that's really cool because Edge is another guy that really came through their system. Uh, and did you feel like guys that went through the system with you, uh, they might be able to appreciate the book only because, you know, they know a lot of those trials and tribulations that you went through, they also did as well? Yeah, I think so. But, you know, I think, you know, it's not just them that would relate to these stories. I think anyone that's a wrestling fan would relate to them just because, you know, like, you, you know, a lot of guys think they're true wrestling fans, and then they'll turn around and say, oh, you know, the Mean Street Posse, they were a bunch of uh, fairies or sissies or whatever another word would be for that. Um, you know, those guys, 
I laugh at guys like that because they really don't know what, what happened. You know, they don't know what the business is about. But the true wrestling fans understand that, you know, we were thrown into the fire with no training. And we were, it, I, it, it's equivalent to never playing a down of football, watching it, but never playing it down, and then going and, and being thrown into an NFL game and saying, okay, go block Ray Lewis. It's, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, you're, you're being thrown into a ring with the best of the business and you're told, you know, survive, don't die and don't, don't hurt anybody out there. So, um, it's a special, that's why it's a unique story, a special story. And it's something that I think any wrestling fan can relate to, not just the guys that were there with me. I'm sure they, they can appreciate it a lot more, but I think it's something that everyone could appreciate just because, you know, of, of the circumstances and what actually happened. Now, you know, speaking of wrestling fans and, and, you know, fans in general that enjoy the book, I'm kind of going on the other end of the spectrum, and I'm curious about the McMahon factor. And obviously, you know, Shane, a longtime friend of yours, did anything that you, you know, shared in the book, did that make you nervous about the McMahons at all, or, or maybe not? Uh, as far as like, sharing the story that I told, the, yes. the feedback, uh, no, well, no, what do I care? <laughs> now, the, uh, honestly, uh I don't think any, you know any of the stories I told were really kind of just fun stories that we had, and, and they're, they're no surprise. I mean, they've been out there um, and they've been told before, so I would be shocked if they were upset about it because it's been, those those same stories have been out on the internet, uh, not only told by me but told by other people as well. So, including Shane. So, um, but we have you know we have some fun, and, and uh, I don't I'm not worried about it. You know, if anything, it, if the one thing the McMahons can take from the book is how much I appreciate and love and respect them as, as a family. I think that's the biggest thing that I would take out of it if, if I were them reading the book, because that's the way I wanted it to come across. Cause uh, you know, I told Shane the other day, uh, I sent him a copy of the book because um, I know, you know he can't afford a copy of the book. I feel bad for him. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> But I, I seriously, I sent him a book and and I sent him a message to go with it and told him, you know, I thanked him like like you know he's only been thanked by me a million times, but I said, uh, you know, he doesn't. I said you don't realize that that what you did for me by giving me the opportunity. Now we got the opportunity, but we did something with that opportunity. But the very fact that he gave me specifically the opportunity, he really molded my life. You know, he put it in an area which I could never repay him for. You know, I mean, God knows what I would have been doing now or what I would have looked like or, you know, had I not been in, in WWE and, and been given this opportunity. So, you know, as far as the McMahons, I'm sure they they all know how much I respect them and, 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 and grateful. I wish I could repay them back somehow, but, God, I don't even know how to, how to begin paying back something where you – change somebody's life like they did um but yeah i don't think they i i would hope they wouldn't have an issue with any of those stories because i don't really think there's anything in there that uh you know there's some there's some funny stories and some stuff maybe you know nothing nothing too bad i think that uh they can't handle was there anything in the book that kind of or actually maybe something that didn't make it to the book that was kind of left on the cutting room floor. Did you feel like anything was kind of, you know, left out or omitted from the book? Um, no, pretty much. I, I think I put it all out there to be honest with you. 
Uh, you know, there could have been more stories. Uh, when writing it with John Robinson, I know that uh, some of the stories didn't make it, but I don't think it's anything that, um, you know, I, I, think, I think the book flows really well, and, and, it, and it flows in chronological order, and, and it gives you a real idea of what's going on. And <clears throat> as far as, you know, I think the stories that didn't make it are just because it didn't flow well into the book itself. Other than that, you know, it just wouldn't have made sense putting him in in certain situations. So I think uh, to answer your question, I think, uh, you know, we gave it our all, and, and uh, I, think, I think it turned out great. I'm pretty happy with it. Now, were you the kind of guy that was like like a Bret Hart or, or a Mick Foley where they take copious notes, you know, throughout their their time in WWE or th- throughout their time, you know, almost like a journal where they write all the stuff and then they put pen to paper and then really start putting things together? Or are you kind of more of an idea guy, more of a story guy? I'm more of a story guy. So, like, in other words, I, I didn't keep notes going, you know, while I was doing this. It was more about you know, funny things would happen and, and you tell these stories and, you know, I, I used to play a lot of softball. I still play some, but not as much as I used to. And I play on these weekend tournament teams. And, you know, sometimes you'd, you'd play a game and I don't know, you'd, you'd have a game at say 9am and you don't play again till 12 and you got a couple hours in between. I always found that there were guys from other States or wherever who, who played in the tournament would come over and say, Hey, you know, you're peak ass. We'd start talking, and next thing you know, I have a crowd around me, and I'm telling, you know, these stories. So these stories have always been etched in my mind. And, uh, you know, we had, to, we had to come up with more material for the book, according to the publishing company. And uh, I ended up using, thank God, for the WWE Network, because I, I actually went back and went in chronological, chronological order and went back and watched every single thing that I did that they have the footage of on the network. And, uh, that really helped spark my memory and say, oh, geez, you know, we're in Columbus, Ohio there. I remember, now I remember we did, you know, X, Y, and Z afterwards and, you know, whatever, all the stuff that goes along with that. And it really helped spark my memory. But uh, I never took notes on it. And, you know, again, I just, we just went by what my memory was and they're all accurate, which is great. And uh, that's another thing Bradshaw said in his notes. He said, because there's a a part I talk about with uh, wrestlers court. And uh, it was him. He was involved with the, him, him and Ron Simmons sue Teddy Long. And uh, he told me in the note, he said, you're the only one that got this story right. And it's because, I, I mean, it was probably one of the funniest things I've ever uh, experienced there. So it was one, you know, I loved it. And I, you know, that, I guess because I loved being there and being a part of it so much, I remembered all these little details about it, which is funny because I can't remember what I did yesterday. <laughs> and I remember uh, on this show you actually told that story. It was an awesome, awesome story. I'm not, I'm not going to go over it, and I suggest people go out and, and read the book for, for the amazing story. But I remember you told it on this show, and uh, we started, you know, still laughing about it. It's just an awesome story, and it's those kind of stories that are definitely going to want to make people love this book and you know really, really want to delve into it. But I want to ask about the Mean Street Posse and, and kind of like the the story that they they tell in the book. You know, you, you said like you got a lot of negative press at first or a lot of people didn't like you guys at first because, like you said, you did it the reverse order of the way it was supposed to go down. But for the book, do you kind of go to each member of the Mean Street Posse and kind of delve into, you know, your whole 
basically um, path through the WWE? I mean, we we talk about. I, I mean, in the book, I talk about each each member of the posse. But um, yeah, I mean, I I, I don't really uh, discuss in great detail the the original five guys that were, you know, they're mentioned in the beginning of the book. Um, but you know, once once Rodney and I were called separately, I, I pretty much do talk a lot about what was going on with us and and a lot of uh, I can't say how Rodney felt, but, you know, because I can't speak for him, but I, I mentioned how I was feeling during cer- certain things and when we were doing uh, certain angles or, or storylines, what I was thinking or what I was going through. And But, yeah, I, I did talk about Rodney and I, what we had to go through, how we we were very motivated in, in trying to make this thing last and, and, you know, how it all turned out at the end. So that's uh, yeah, the answer to your question. Yes, I, yes, I do. It's great because with the Mean Street Posse, it's one of those things where, you know, it's 17 years later, but you still remember him today as such a vital and key member of the Attitude Ever, obviously tied in with Shane, and obviously, you know, Patterson and Briscoe uh, kind of tied into them a bit as well with that feud. But the Mean Street Posse is just really, really funny if you look back at it. It's like, who are these guys? But do you kind of go into more detail about how you guys you know, are legitimate athletes or did have a legitimate background kind of going into it? Yeah. I mean, I talked about my, uh, you know, I had, I, I played college football for the university of Connecticut. I was an offensive lineman and, you know, Rodney, Rodney didn't play, uh, didn't play in college. He didn't go to college, but he, uh, you know, he was a great athlete. You know, he could still hit a softball and a golf ball a mile. So we, I mean, we have, we always had the athletic ability, which definitely helped us, but it was, you know, you could throw that right out the window once you, once you get into WWE because it's a whole different ball game, you know, and it was more about then showing how tough we were and how we weren't going to, you know, we weren't going to be pretty much, you know, sissies and, and take a beating and, and, and cry and moan about it. You know, we were, we were taking a beating. We were giving out a little bit of a beating, and, and uh, at the end of the day, we always had a smile on our face and, and we moved on from there, you know, and, and that's how we, we got through this thing and, and how we, how we grew as a group. Hey, definitely. You grew as a group and it was great to see you guys, you know, just get on. See, it was just, you always had an entertaining segment, but I just want to switch gears a little bit just to ask something more, uh, more current. And the last time you were with us, it was a few months before Shane made his return to uh to tv and you said you know basically you know everybody's going to ask you anyway what do you think did did you think shane would come back but you basically kind of predicted it you know you kind of said in a way that you know he's one of those guys that truly loved the business and he loved everything about it and you never know maybe we'll see him again and it was only a few months later but in that match with the undertaker we saw him do some amazing things but I think everybody kind of held out thinking the posse might do a run in. Was that ever approached to you at all, or were you hoping they had approached you about it at some point? Well, of course, I, I hope for it. Um, you know, this this business is a drug, and I'm addicted to it. You know, and it's one of those things where I'm a huge fan still because of that. <laughs> um, and to be honest with you, I was starting to. I was, I'm so glad the internet wasn't as big when we were wrestling because I would have been on that thing and I would have been reading stuff and I probably either would have been happy or sad or most likely sad uh, about things that people wrote about us. But, um, you know, I got caught up in that whole thing last year when Shane came back with a lot of people getting in touch with me saying, uh, 
you're going to come back. And even, even guys that I, I worked with um, said, you know, hey, you know, get ready to take the last ride from The Undertaker and stuff like that, and, and we'd have a few laps with it. And, um, you know, I was, I was getting myself all amped up and ready to go because I'm thinking to myself, you know, geez, you know, Shane won't tell me three months in advance or two months in advance They'll wait till three days before and say, "Hey, you know, you want to you want to be involved in one of those deals." So, um, you know, he because he kayfabes me all the time, and I can't stand the son of a bitch because of it. But I, uh, it's one of those things where he I don't know why he always does that to me. So, I, you know, in the back of my mind, I kept you know every time he called leading up, I was you know I, I answered the phone all excited, thinking you know here it is, here it is, but it never happened. So he has a he has a new posse which he brought out at WrestleMania and I I was sitting there in the fourth row and I had a huge smile on my face and I thought it was a great moment because I know how much it meant to him to have his boys with him and his new posse there did a great job and they really added another element to a great match that night. It was a spectacular uh, sight to see what Shane did in that match. It was also very cool to see. Uh, another generation of McMahon make their way out onto the WrestleMania stage, but I guess maybe John could, uh, maybe he could work this one to his dream match questions. Uh, maybe the uh, the McMahon Posse 2.0 versus the Mean Street Posse, uh, a couple of WrestleManias down the road. But you know, we got another WrestleMania coming up, and here he is going to fight AJ Styles, quite possibly the best wrestler in the world. So again. You know, I guess you said he kayfabes it to the last minute. So as of right now, there's nothing out there for uh, peak ass and the Mean Street Posse. No, unfortunately, there's not, and uh, I don't think there will be. But I'll, uh, I have a I, Shane has sent me a ticket to ticket for my wife and I to go, and I'll be there to support him, and I'll be there. And you know, my suitcase, I may pack a sweater vest or two just in case. But uh, in, until then, until uh, I get the phone call, then we'll have to wait and see. The iconic sweater vest, keeping the sweater vest cool, at least uh, on a few streets up there in uh, in Greenwich, Connecticut. But, you know, what did you think about seeing Shane go all out in that match last year? Obviously, that the one thing we all remember is the leap. But uh, kind of seeing your buddy go, you know, really take it to the extreme. You know, what did you think about Shane's performance against The Undertaker? That's Shane. I mean, I'll be honest with you, that's, that's Shane O. And that's, uh, now Shane always takes it to a next level, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, in a, in a in a match against Undertaker or being in high school, us sneaking into a bar and bu- him buying everybody rounds of drinks. That's you know, he's an extremist and he loves it and he loves it. He's a he's definitely an adre- he he's an adrenaline junkie and loves the, the loves the business. And I wasn't surprised. And that was one of the reasons why I don't know if you've you've heard this story. I know I've told this story on other shows, but I love it. Is uh, the night he came back in Detroit. And when Vince told him that he was going to be facing Undertaker in a cell, I was sitting on my couch with my wife, and uh, I turned to her and I said, "We're going." And and she's like, she's like, "Why?" And I, I, she's like, "Not not why, but you know, she's like, you want to go?" And I said, "I'm not missing this." I said, "He's jumping off that cell." Now I knew once I heard "cell," I know how his brain works, and it's like, geez, you know, the only the only difference is I thought he may light himself on fire first, something even more dangerous, and then jump, but that's a whole other story. Um, he's just such an extreme – he loves that adrenaline rush and loves doing something like even the other night, you know, jumping, you know, going through the table with uh, AJ Styles, you know, on the table. You know, 
he's 47 years old and he's, he's still doing these stunts and he's putting his body on the line and it's because he loves this business and he loves, you know, he does it for, for the fans and everyone else like that. So you got to, you got to tip your hat to him. And he, you know, he's never had a bad match. You can never say, you know, Hey, yeah, that match with Shane really stunk tonight. It just doesn't happen. You, I've yet to find anyone to say, you know, he's had a bad match because everything he does is always something special to remember, to remember it in a positive way. Absolutely. And as I start to wind it down here, you know, we were kind of joking around about a dream match, you know, Shane and his kids against maybe you know, the Main Street Posse, you and Rodney getting back together or Billy T and Willie Green or, you know, something like that nature. But for Pete Gass, let's just say, you know, a dream match of yours. Obviously, if you were ever able, ever able to kind of go back, would you have a dream match, or who would it be against, against somebody maybe you never faced before? You know, uh, I mean, you know, the, the the people that I have dream matches about is, you know, like are people that I'm not even in their league. You know, you, uh, I, you know, I had, I've had the honor of working against The Rock, and I actually took the first ever Rock Bottom from him on the, the on SmackDown, the very first episode, the very first segment, I come in and I, I take a rock bottom, so I'm pretty proud of that. And, uh, but it, you know, it's one of those things I, I would love to have done more with Stone Cold. There's so many there's so many guys that I look up to in this business, and <clears throat> to be honest with you, I would be just happy to have another match, let alone a dream match. So, But if I had to choose one with a gun to my head, I would probably uh, – I'd probably like to do it with Stone Cold, have a match for him, because I think uh, he's one of my favorites of all time. He entertains the heck out of me. Now, as far as writing the book, obviously, you know, it's getting a lot of positive reviews, getting a lot of press. I I got my copy, so I can't wait to read it uh, very, very soon. But what was your favorite part of writing the book and putting this thing together? Uh, I think it was more about the uh talking about the stories of being on the road those because the stories being on the road and 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 you know guys like prince albert and and test and val venus and you know being driving from one city to the next you know following each other going to restaurants eating and you know being being idiots to each other and stuff like that i, I mean the best part about the business is the locker room especially back then you know they you form a bond with these guys and it's a bond that to this day, I mean, like I see them as like, it's like going to a family reunion and it's a bunch of laughs. And I think you know, so writing the book and going and doing those stories and getting them in my head again was just a great trip down memory lane for me. So I, I would say that part of it, uh, telling all these stories about, you know, playing dominoes with uh, my partner was a godfather against Undertaker and Kane and, just all the stuff that went along with it. So it's got it's got everybody's name in it, and there's a little bit about everyone. And it's something that I think, uh, like I said, I think everyone will enjoy it for that reason. And, you know, you mentioned going to be in Orlando, you know, WrestleMania weekend. You know, Shane's got, got your tickets. you got your uh, sweater vest packed. Are you studying uh, AJ Styles at all? Are you are you familiar with uh, him just in case you need to be? Well, I'm a fan, so of course I watch every week, and you know I don't I don't skip anything. You know I, I fall asleep early at night. You know I'm an old man, and I get up at 3 a.m. now to go to work. But 
I um I do watch it when I get home the next day, and I you know I, I watch these shows, and I of course you know as a, as a fan of wrestling, I really enjoy it, and as a, a former wrestler, I always watch and see what they what guys do and what their favorite moves are and stuff. So, I mean, it's nothing new to me. Um, I don't know. I I think we're we're all looking for something that's not going to happen because I don't I don't see it happening at WrestleMania with me. <laughs> We can only hope, Pete. That's what we're hoping for here. We're we're hoping for a little peak gas running. But before we let you go, before we wrap it up, I know you're going to be at WrestleCon. You're going to be alongside our good buddy, Kevin Fertig. You're going to be with Billy Gunn. You're going to be with Chase Stevens. That is going to be a uh, one hell of a wrecking crew, perhaps another uh, kind of posse. But, you know, the way we usually end it, we do a legacy or we see where you're going to be in five years. But I guess the good question for you is, do you have the writing bug now? Is this something that you could see a follow-up down the road? Uh, a part two, a different kind of maybe just road stories, but is this something you would do again in the future? I think it uh, it all depends on what happens uh, going forward. I mean, I pretty much <clears throat> I pretty much gave everything I had to this book. So, um, you know, unless I start pulling a Mick Foley and writing children's books, I don't see me writing a book yet for a while, or or at least have any ideas to it. But uh, hopefully, this you know this one catches on and. You never know. I, I can always uh, pull some of those stories that are on the cutting room floor and maybe uh, continue with some other good stories and go from there. But, you know, I pretty much gave everything I had to this book, and I hope everyone gets a chance to read it and enjoy it. And uh, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure they will. I'm just, I'm very confident on that. Oh, absolutely. Again, please share with the listeners where they can find the book and uh, where they can share their thoughts about the book with you on social media. Well, to be honest with you, I like you know, I I think Amazon's the best way to go. You know, Amazon, if the books are, you can, you can get the book, you can get it to you in a couple of days, and it's uh it's a lot less expensive than if you went to a bookstore. But if you have to go to a bookstore because you don't want to get it online for whatever reason, uh, you can go to a Barnes and Noble will have it. Any any of your local bookstores, if it if they don't have it, they can get it for you. They know how to order it. So. Um, you know, and or you can get the Kindle version too. The Kindle version is available. So uh, we talked about an audio book. I, I don't know if that's coming out or what. You know, we talked about it, so we'll see what happens with that. It's not, uh, you know, it's it's like I said. There's plenty of ways to get it. It's just a matter of uh, hopefully everyone going out and getting it because they'll enjoy it. Absolutely. Again, looking at the lights, my path from a fan to a wrestling heel. Pete Gass, thank you so much for coming back on the show. Enjoy all the WrestleMania festivities. Have some fun and uh, make sure that sweater vest is packed right at the top of your uh, your luggage. Will do. And uh, I'll be at WrestleCon if anyone's uh, going and, and wants. I'll have copies of my book there if, if anyone's interested to get an autographed copy. And uh, if not, you can always follow me on I am Pete Gass on Twitter, and you'll find out what I'm, what I'm doing next or where I'm going or what uh, – yeah, what kind of shows I'm going to be on. We'll see what happens. All right. Well, that's where we'll cut it. But, Pete, thank you so much for coming back. And, uh, you know, really have fun with WrestleCon and everything. And, uh, you know, all the best. The book uh, book looks awesome. Sounds good. Hopefully we'll be next time I'm on, we're talking about my comeback. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Cover. She better cover. <laughs> Come on, Thanks, Scarlett. Guys. Take advantage here. You have the opening. But you can see Kelly will not stay down. She's too big. It's too much. Whoa. The size and the strength, the experience, and Kelly Klein's 
column here. Uh-oh. Oh. And how quick the tide can change. Lock the door, turn off the lights, closing time. The gatekeeper has the end of the match locked in. It's over, Ian. There's no way. Scarlett shows a lot of heart, but I don't think she can. Absolutely not. There it is. Wow. And what a battle we saw here in Columbus. Absolutely. The winner of the match by submission, Killing Why? And 477 turns into 478 QT. Kelly Klein. And who can stop Kelly Klein? Women of Honor Wednesday for QT Marshall. I'm Ian Riccoboni. What a win in this grudge match by Kelly Klein. We will see you next Wednesday. Joining us on the Wednesday. line tonight is a rising star in the world of wrestling. She is a Women of Honor star. She will be seen this Saturday night for Ring of Honor at the Supercard of Honor in Lakeland, Florida. She is Kelly Klein. Welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling. Hi, thank you hey, for Kelly, having you me. Hi, I'm no doing problem. well. Thank you. Now, first things first, it seems like, you know, there's a bit of a women's revolution in wrestling and Ring of Honor with the women of honor are definitely playing a big role in that. What do you think about this women's revolution? Well, as a woman who has always been very independent and driven, um, it's it's kind of strange for me because the way I was raised and the way my my family always was, the the women were um, were seen as as capable individuals, and we we actually you know I had an older brother and I have an older sister and a younger sister, and all of us have always been very competitive with each other and um, and ourselves and other people. Um, male or female. So I've, I've seen some things throughout time where there uh, was sort of this gender division. Um, one example was when I was in elementary school and there was, um, I don't know if anybody remembers doing the presidential physical fitness test and there were different hmm. uh, requirements for the boys and the girls, but not only that, there were actually different um, movement. So for the boys, uh, I think in like seventh and eighth grade, they would hold an isometric push-up, and the girls just had to do like 20 modified push-ups. But it wasn't even something where the girls even had the option to do the isometric push-ups. And my older sister, uh, when it came time for her to do that, she said, "Well, I can I can do the isometric push-up and hold it for a minute, so I want to do that." And there there was some pushback and they didn't want to let her do it. And for her, um, you know, it, there was no challenge to do the modified push-ups. And I remember um, my dad being extremely supportive and my dad and my sister and I would all practice at night after dinner and before bed, we would practice our isometric push-ups. And, um, and, and my dad, you know, went to bat for my sister too and, and got the school to let her compete uh, to do the isometric push-ups, but when they put out the results, even though she had beat all of the boys, she was not listed at all, and since she didn't do modified push-ups, she was not listed with the girls at all, so wow. um, it, that was something that was, it was just kind of 
you know, I mean, it's been all these years and it stuck with me. So then, of course, when it was my turn, you know, when I got to that, that grade two years later, they already saw it coming and they already said, no, absolutely not. We're not letting you do it. And um, so I, you know, I saw some of that, that kind of gender bias um, just culturally and socially back then. But it was so shocking to me because that wasn't, that just wasn't how my family was. When I was five, my brother was a freshman in high school and and going to wrestling practice and coming home and, and practicing, you know, wrestling with me and, you know, oh, I learned, you know, a, a half Nelson and an inside cradle and, he, you know, do it with me and then teach me how to do it and and expect me to, you know, c- to do it. And he'd show me how to do this stuff at five years old and expect me to do it. And then, you know, my dad and my brother were teaching me how to throw a punch when I was seven or eight and eight, my, my banding there and for me to punch him <laughs> and my dad, you know, giving me pointers. <laughs> so, that's that's where I came from, and um, then as, as I kind of you know experienced how um, you know how some of the rest of society and culture views things, it's like maybe people are starting to realize what some of us have always known, <laughs> um, and and it's great to to be a part of that and to to get to um, sort of start to see that recognition uh, and that acceptance and. I think that something that's really important to me is what I'm leaving behind and what we're all leaving behind for, uh, you know, the, the young kids right now. So for me, it's always been very important that the young girls can look to me and look to my colleagues and see that they do have infinite options and, they they don't have to be pretty and and that's all they can be and if they're if they're an athlete or they're tough doesn't mean that they're not pretty and if they're pretty it doesn't mean that they're not smart and they they can be all of all of the things they want to be and none of them are mutually exclusive and i don't want those girls to grow up and experience the things that my sister and i did where you know, we, we had those those instances of um you know, really discrimination and and I don't you know say that as you know to say that I've I've really been um I don't think I've been held back because I, I don't really allow things to hold me back. I, I just keep you know, keep going and finding ways and um working hard but you know that was, was an experience that I had where you know, that does exist and some people certainly experience it to um much higher degrees than than I ever did and anywhere we can minimize or eliminate that is um is something that I I want to be a part of. And Ring of Honor their influence on the wrestling business is is pretty substantial. If you really look at even WWE, look at all the guys that they have taken from Ring of Honor or that have grown through Ring of Honor. So when Ring of Honor kind of builds something, it really means something. It's really substantial in, in the wrestling business. So when they are building this women's division, you know, do you take a lot of pride in that? Because you've had quite a dominant run within this women's division so far in Ring of Honor with the women of honor. I don't think I've ever told anyone this, but when I first started wrestling, I never, I just never thought that I would be good enough to work for Ring of Honor 
because it was held and in such high regard and, and you had to be so good. And, and I, at, at the time, you know, I was, I was trying and I was training, but I, I just, I knew that I wasn't there yet. And it, it seemed so far off that I could be a part of that. And, and part of that too was just because um, there was a, an element of time involved where in my mind and part of, partly because of um, the culture that I, that I think really um, it, it exists everywhere, but um, also definitely in, you know, the, the past years in WWE, there has been this culture of um, just a very limited shelf life for women where you could have a man competing into his forties and then into his sixties. But, there were very, very few and far between instances where a woman in her late 20s to her 30s to her 40s would be competing. So um, to me, when I, when I was training, it was like, okay, I only have so many years and I have to get that good. And it, it seemed just like a really um, insurmountable challenge. So I didn't just decide, okay, well, if I can't do that, I'm going to quit wrestling. But uh, I just, I didn't, I didn't know if I could get to where I needed to be within the time that I felt like I needed to do it. So over the last couple of years, I was very, very fortunate to have the opportunity to train with Les Thatcher. And my, um, just my, my knowledge and my foundation and everything, um, really just grew leaps and bounds from, from working with him and working with the other trainers um, that that he worked with. And also because I didn't inhibit or, or I didn't, I didn't use the age thing to say, okay, well, you know, I, I had my birthday. It's I guess it's time to quit. Um, you know, I, I didn't stop myself. So, uh, you know, if, if, if nobody was going to tell me, hey, you're too old, you can't be here, then I was going to keep showing up. And uh, I did, and I, I worked hard, and I I finally decided to um, just, you know, take that, take that kind of jump and go to the Ring of Honor tryout. And I, I just, I finally had, had kind of learned over the years that um, if you don't go and try, then the answer is always no. So if I kept telling myself, oh, I'm not ready for that, then I I was just never going to have the opportunity. I had to at least go and try, and the worst they could say is not yet. Um, but, you know, at least I'd be that much closer. So I went, and I, I worked really hard at the Ring of Honor seminar and tryout camp, and I, I got an opportunity. And whether I felt like I was ready for it or not, I, I knew that I had to be ready and get ready and, you know, just – work harder and harder and um, just really be worthy of that opportunity. Uh, And then as I started to have, you know, just more opportunities and and having some really amazing opponents to work with um, and, and getting to main event on, on the women's shows um, and, and be part of the, the historic uh, women's episode, you know, things like that, or just, just never even things that it crossed my mind to 
even imagine. So it's it's really it's very humbling and it's something that I take very seriously um and that I I really um I appreciate the opportunities and you know it's it it does just reinforce the fact that if if you really do work hard and then you go and you you take those chances that um you you may find yourself in a place where you have some some really amazing opportunities and uh with with that I I know that you know I'm I'm not anywhere near finished and I've got a lot left to accomplish I I still am you know continuing to learn and just try to get better every day and I always you know kind of joke with with people um you know especially when they complain about birthdays I say well you know I I love birthdays I get better every year and that's you know that's that's what I'm striving to do and (laughs) so you know I'm never like oh no I'm gonna be old I'm like no yay it's I'm getting better and better and the more time that goes by the better I get and that's that's the goal and that's what I'm what I'm working toward and just always trying to be ready for the next opportunity um that comes my way and uh, being able to work with with all these women and and the men at Ring of Honor and, and being a part of that is um, you know, just just something that's that's really really cool and really exciting. And that is great to hear. So you know the best way to look at it, and you think about it, you went from the tryout camp or you know the ROH seminar to you know your debut and kind of fast forwarding to where you are now. And obviously it's the huge show. It's a super card of honor. What is your feeling on being a part of that show? Obviously, you're going to be wrestling Diana Perrazzo. So what's your feeling on kind of not only making it an ROH, but making it to the big dance? Um, I, I think that a lot of times I just, like, I'm aware of things that are going on, but until it's actually happening and until I'm walking you know, to the ring, it's not not quite official <laughs> uh, just because I know, you know, things things can change all the time. So um, I'm, I'm just always trying to be ready and, and get ready to go, you know, be there and, and do the best I can. And I think um, it may really sink in. You know, I know I've been reading and, and I'm sure a lot of people have been seeing that we have, um, you know, been breaking records in, in attendance for Ring of Honor. And uh, I, I know it's it's a really an exciting thing to bring together um, several big, well-known, well-established companies. Um, so it's, it's, it's definitely exciting to be part of. And it it's another instance where, um, you know, it, it makes me think that I, I've got to keep stepping up and, you know, I've, I've got to be ready for this opportunity and I've got to, um, you know, be worthy of every opportunity and, you know, get real, just give it my all every time. And Deanna is somebody who I've wanted to work with for a long time um, because I think that she'll really challenge me and push me and that's how I get better. So uh, I've, I've really been, you know, I've, I've subtly and not so subtly, I've been, you know, dropping hints that I want to get in the ring with Deanna. And uh, I'm I'm hoping that you know, we we really get to um, both just just push each other and challenge each other, and I think that we're both going to come out better for it. It's pretty remarkable what 
Ring of Honor has been able to do, like you alluded to, they're you know about to break an attendance record that they have, which is pretty, you know, it's definitely it's a remarkable feat. And obviously, with the Women of Honor being such a huge part of that. Now, you know, as I start to wind it down a bit here, I was just curious. You know, you mentioned Diana Peraza being somebody you wanted to wrestle. Do you have any other sort of dream match in wrestling? You know, somebody you really, really want to be able to face in your career. Like someone that would actually be a possibility or like the the fantasy anybody from any time kind of thing. Well, I was kind of thinking as somebody who's it's a possibility, somebody out there okay. that would be able to wrestle. Hmm. Well, oh boy. Um, you know, there are so many women right now and there are because of um what's going on with women's wrestling a lot of women who you know, wanted to become involved in wrestling are starting to see that there could be a, a place for them. I think there are a lot of women who maybe you know, d- just didn't think that there, there would be an opportunity for them. Um, but now that they're seeing that, hey, you know, I, I can really do this and go somewhere with it, we're, we're just getting so many more women that are stepping up. So it's, it's just so difficult and I don't know if I've ever really answered this question because it's it's such a difficult question to answer um you know it's there I I think there are just so many amazing women and there are so many women who I I don't even know about yet (laughs) and and I just I want to work with everybody I can I want to go everywhere I can um and and just push myself and challenge myself with everyone. And it's the, the great thing about wrestling is that it is, um, it's, it's this, um, you know, kind of collaboration. So the way I might work with one person is, is going to be different when I'm combined with someone else. So every time I step in the ring with somebody, it's, it's going to be something else and it's going to bring out a different part of me. Um, I definitely, would really like to have a singles match with Kimber Lee. Um, and that's something she and I have talked about that we've been in the ring together, but we haven't gotten to have a, you know, a singles one-on-one. Um, another person I haven't gotten to be in the ring one-on-one with is Mia Yim. Uh, so I think those would definitely be on my list. Um, but I, I just, I don't want to, um, you know, discount all of the women that are, they're working so hard and you just you never know where somebody's gonna just break out and and we're gonna see some really um you know really incredible talent absolutely. The women's division in Ring of Honor women's wrestling in general is definitely elevating its game. Where do you see yourself in five years from now not because women's wrestling seems like it's gonna be elevating in further five years, but kind of where do you see yourself five years from now um you know i I don't know if I will um, be wrestling in the ring full-time in five years, though it it is certainly a possibility, um, you know, because as I mentioned before, I'm not really interested in letting, you know, a number on a page stop me or slow me down. So as long as I'm, you know, still enjoying it and really able to push myself and challenge myself, I don't see any reason why I wouldn't, um, necessarily continue to perform in the ring, but I also um, I really love a lot of different aspects of wrestling, 
and I love being able to sort of um, try to elevate other other performers and other talent and kind of help them find the way. Um, there was a long time where I didn't have anybody doing that for me, but then when I did have people, you know, helping me and showing me the way and kind of answering my questions and giving me really good guidance, I'm very grateful for that. So I, I would love to be that person for, for some people and, and help this um, evolution even continue more. So I think that that could take so many forms. Um, it could be, you know, sometimes I, I kind of joke that I need to sort of make up a, a job title because I have a lot of people that um, will come to me and sometimes they'll be sent to me from some of the men that are great mentors, but they say, hey, you know what, you need to talk to a female um, and they'll they'll say, you know, email Kelly. And so I kind of have become this little quasi-consultant and, and I'll just, you know, brainstorm with people and, and give them, you know, feedback and ideas and insight and uh, things like that. So, you know, I would love to continue things like that, whether um, I was doing that as a trainer or, you know, working even on kind of the other side, on the production and business side um, or any any combination thereof. I mean, if I could be uh, a personality as well as be um, in that sort of uh, coach or mentor capacity and be part of, um, you know, the, the kind of production and business side to just help facilitate all of this. Um, any of those things I think would be, would be great. And um, there'd be ways that I could really stay working with wrestling and, and um, being part of this kind of evolution for a long time. Now you've had quite a dominant run you know, within Ring of Honor. Just was curious, do you have a favorite match or, or maybe a couple favorite matches that you've had so far? Um, I definitely enjoyed my match with Candice LeRae. Um, that was that was probably, um, I would say, uh, for my own personal history, that was an historic match. Um, we We really pushed each other to the limits and um you know that that was that was really really i guess just fun for me to go outside of my kind of comfort zone and and push even further um and then i i've always loved um ODB and i've loved you know her just her work over the years um i got to work with her one time when i was really, really new and really didn't know what I was doing and she was amazing. So it really meant a lot to me to get to work with her when I I could come come just as a a person and be um just in, in a different season of my career and um you know contribute and not you know, not to where she she was having to kind of do all the work and and drag me along. It was somewhere where we could really kind of go toe to toe. So that that was really interesting, um, just comparison and experience for me. And um, I've oh, I've had a few matches over the years, um, either facing or um, tagging with Taylor Hendricks, and we have always um, had interesting chemistry together. Whether it's opposing or um, attempting in some way to work together. So I've, I've always enjoyed 
you know, kind of just seeing, seeing what goes on there. And then um, probably one of the, the most amazing people to work with, and I would like to work with her more um, as much as possible is Sumi Sakai. She is just a, a consummate veteran. Um, she's so gracious and um, she's, she's always willing to, to help people and, and give them, you know, that kind of guidance and insight and feedback that, um, you know, I like to give to people who have less experience than I do. And then, you know, she's got at least, I mean, twice as much experience in time, but probably way more than that if you really take into account just everything she's done. Um, so to, anytime I get to work with her, it's it's really um, something I enjoy and I feel like I, I just learned so much from. Well, this has been, you know, a ton of fun. Love talking some women's wrestling with you. And just the final thing here, Supercard of Honor is this coming Saturday in Lakeland, Florida. It's going to be a huge show. Obviously, you versus Deanna Perrazzo. But where can the fine folks find Kelly Klein, whether it be social media or otherwise? Uh, the best way to see what I'm up to is uh, you can definitely follow me on Instagram and Twitter. Both are at Real Kelly Klein. Um, and then I'm on Facebook, and um, I don't I, – I use that, you know, a little bit, but I, I probably update um, Twitter more with, with events. Um, but any of those places are places where you can kind of follow me, see what I'm doing, and um, reach out. You know, I, I love hearing from people. I get messages sometimes from people just telling me that um, I've been an inspiration for them or just that – I've entertained them or I've, you know, distracted them from something, you know, difficult that they're going through and giving them, you know, some, some time to just have fun. Um, any of those things are, are always wonderful to hear. <laughs> so, um, but if you have anything bad to say, send it to somebody else. <laughs> well, what, well said, this has been awesome. And we are definitely looking forward to you, you know, continue, continuing your streak there in Ring of Honor and your, your dominant run and definitely looking forward to this Saturday night at the Supercard of Honor. So thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.